Now about eight days after these sayings, he took him, Peter and John and James, and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we are not to tamper with it, but we proclaim it, we receive it from you. We proclaim it to one another and we thank you for it. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Just a quick aside about the sermon before I actually preach the sermon. I have so many words. My wife informed me of that when we were newly married several years ago. I have a lot of words. And so there's so many things that Chris or I could say any given Sunday. So part of the, part of the thing about preaching a sermon is our human frailty is so put out there in the sense that what are the things that God wants you to hear? Our job of preparing a sermon is as much prayer and sitting with the Lord in silence as it is leafing through commentaries and looking at the language, etc., so just know that it's something that we do with fear and trembling, and it's a privilege, and it's a joy to do. Do you ever remember overhearing your parents? Maybe having a conversation? Maybe it was on a long car ride, and you pretended to be asleep just so that you could eavesdrop, so that they could let their guard down and they could speak freely. Maybe you pretended to, uh, you had gone to bed, but you could hear them maybe chatting around the kitchen table listening to their conversation, or if you're like me, as Cheers would come on every weeknight at 10.35 on KVII Channel 7, as the uh, theme song to Cheers played, I knew this is when I could get some good juicy tidbits from mom and dad. As I would listen to them, I thought, well, maybe, maybe we're talking about we're finally going to go to Disney, or maybe grandparents are coming to town. And as I would do that, or maybe as you did that, we would take different sentences and little bits of information that we could hear and string it all together and come to some great and glorious conclusion. And we'd be filled with joy at this thing that was about to happen or utter dread because we knew that dad was taking us to work the next morning or something like that. But if you're like me, nine times out of ten, you were wrong. Your conclusion was wrong, and your joy was quickly dashed, or your dreadful crisis was thankfully averted. And why were you wrong? Why was I wrong most of the time? Because I lacked perspective. I didn't have 
the whole picture. Now tonight, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the mountain to give them perspective. But also what we have tonight is a conversation overheard. Now I'm going to fly through this to accommodate the other time of our explanations. So Peter, James, and John are in kind of a sleep. They're on Mount Tabor. It's eight days after Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. This is sometime around the Feast of Booths. And they overhear Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah, of all people. And what is Jesus speaking of with Moses and Elijah? His imminent departure, his exodus. Only St. Luke calls it his exodus. Talk about an instructed Eucharist. His exodus, what images does that bring to your mind? Well, to be clear, the deliverance of a people, their freedom from bondage. But what it also tells us about is the death of a Passover lamb. So they're talking about his exodus. And I'm sure Peter, hearing some of the words, not understanding at all, and they're shaking off their sleep. And when they become fully awake, notice what happens. When they become fully awake, they see his glory. You see, St. Luke says that as he was praying, his image changes. His face was altered and he was radiant white and his clothes were white. And as they shake off sleep, they see Jesus for who he really is. And Peter says what? I know what. I'll make three booths. Hey, it's around the Feast of Booths. We've just remembered how God provided for the people of Israel in the wilderness after their exodus. I'll make three booths, one for you, Jesus, and Moses and Elijah. And Luke puts in there, not knowing what he was saying. In one sense, Peter may have had a simultaneous sense of joy and of dread. Seeing the face of Jesus as the face of God, both completely exhilarating and also Completely terrifying. We just read Psalm 99. No man can see the face of God. God is the pure and holy one. And Jesus is revealed as God. So Peter may have been overcome simultaneously with joy and, and dread. But not only because of that, but because this radiant one, this one who shines as bright as the sun, is to partake in this exodus, this departure. Jesus had cued to the disciples just prior about what's going to happen to the Son of Man. And just after this account, as they come down from the mountain, after they gain some perspective, Jesus is going to set his face resolutely to Jerusalem. The disciples, Peter namely, may have known that if Jesus were to go to Jerusalem, it would be sure and certain death. So Peter, trying to piece things together in overhearing this conversation, doesn't have the whole picture. He lacks perspective. And then a voice comes from the cloud in this, in this moment of glory. Anytime you see a cloud in Scripture, what does that mean? The glory of God. The presence of God. And so glory comes down on the mountain and a voice just like as we read in Psalm 99 that happened in the Exodus a voice comes from the cloud that says this is my beloved son 
the identity of Jesus that we heard about the first Sunday after Epiphany in his baptism, this is my beloved son, is echoed again in this moment, the last Sunday after the Epiphany on this transfiguration. Bookending this season as a season of revelation. If we haven't picked up on who Jesus is, if we haven't understood to whom his mission is, We've missed maybe part of the season of Epiphany. This is my beloved son. And the voice of the father adds, listen to him. Perspective. I'll never forget standing on top of Virgin Gorda Peak about two years ago in the British Virgin Islands. We had just been sailing all around Sir Francis Drake Channel encountering some rough seas and some of the, the bow of the boat doing some of this. You know, we're not worthy, that kind of thing. And, and thinking to myself, it's going to be okay. I'm looking at the horizon. But when we are on top of Virgin Gorda Peak, the highest point in the islands, you would look down and you would see very smooth seas, but right next to it you would see ch choppy seas and boats going through it. And from that level, from that perspective, I could tell that, oh, okay, that boat right now is doing one of these. But in a couple of minutes, they're going to pass through it to smoother waters. Being on the mountaintop gave me perspective. Jesus was giving Peter and James and John perspective because rough waters were ahead. Crucifixion, death, but they on the other side, resurrection, ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So the perspective that Jesus and the Father are giving to Peter, James, and John was that this one of pure radiance and light will go to the cross. He will suffer and die, but listen to him at all cost. But for us today, what perspective does the transfiguration give us? Well, it tells us that we can behold him the same way that Peter and James and John looked upon him. The same way that St. Paul said that we can look upon him. We can look upon him. But not only can we behold him, we can become like him. For as St. Paul said, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to, no to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let us pray. God, we beg of you, teach us how to behold you. In your holy scriptures, in your holy sacrament, in one another, in creation, in quiet, in solitude, in hustle and busy, teach us to behold you. And we beg of you that as we do so, help us to become like you. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.